Hello you beautiful cycling fans and welcome back to another episode of the A1 Show podcast. So, got a busy show for you guys today. Uh, today we're going to talk about Chris Froome. Chris Froome's made his first public appearance since stacking it up down his recce of the TT course on the Criterium de Dauphiné. Uh, brilliant interview from Chris Froome. I'm going to touch upon some of the, the quotes and, you know, where his head's at. Tour de is on at the moment. San Sebastian, we've seen a 19-year-old win San Sebastian today. I hope you guys seen it and I didn't just spoil it for you. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Lance Armstrong move podcast. Some of his earning figures came out. Um, we're not going to get too hot up on the, caught up on the Lance Armstrong issue because, yeah, I know it's one that's been done to death but hasn't been done in a while and definitely not with relation to his podcast i want to touch briefly on daily routines i put out a bit of a a tweet going through my morning routine caused a bit of a storm in twitter land and i want to talk to you about something which i consider a super serious issue at the moment and it's the death of our group right how i just think it's falling apart and you know maybe it's just uh you know a, a phase of life we go through that as we start getting older we think back in my day it was all completely different but it really does feel like in the decade or so that I've been around the sport that the group ride and dynamic around the group ride has changed and we're really in danger of losing the group ride totally from what it was uh, if we don't take action on it so yeah we got a we got a busy podcast coming up also I am rocking this new kick-ass podcast extender arm mic and shock mount which is pretty cool i feel like a real podcaster anyone watching on youtube you can see my mad techers with just lowering and hiring this mic uh yeah no the podcast that's proven to be quite popular on across the tour de france edition and one of the problems with it was audio and it's it's a constant challenge to you know move the needle towards slightly better video and slightly better audio and it can become a never-ending pit of just throwing money into it but trying to make sensible uh, choices and trying to get you know a bit of kit here and there that makes a difference uh, and hopefully this is one of the big changes plus you can't really be a cool podcaster unless you got one of these mics so now i've entered the realm of cool podcasters first i wanted to get just a podcast because all the cool kids got a podcast and joe rogan's kind of made podcasting cool I was listening to a podcast back in the day, long before Joe Rogan hit the air. It was called Zen and the Art of Triathlon. And that dude was like, that must have been 2002. And I really liked it. I had to get it at the time. I downloaded it on a torrent and I put it on an MP3 player. And I used to listen to it riding into college. Man, I sound like an old bastard there. But uh, yeah, like it was such an ordeal to get a few episodes of it. But it really passed the time. I hated radio. The amount of ads... That's ultimately why radio was dying, I suppose. Uh, I hated ads even back then. And it used to kill me going into college listening to the radio. So, yeah, I went to that trouble and used to listen to Zen, the Art of Triathlon, back then. And the guy was a bit of a nerd. His name was Brett. But uh, I checked on the iTunes store the other day. And Brett's still going. Zen and the Art of Triathlon is still going. It must be one of the oldest podcasts out there. But it was super entertaining. And he wasn't an elite athlete. But he, I definitely felt like I was kind of following the dude's journey brett i think his wife's name is emily or something like that um yeah but there you go all right chris Froome. uh chris Froome gave an interview uh, on team ineos's website uh, or at least that's where i seen it 
and he was talking about yeah recalling his recollection of his crash before the Dauphin so if anyone doesn't know he was out doing a reconnaissance of the TT basically a dry run of what the course just to know where the course was where the dangerous parts were and he took his hands off the bars to blow a snot out wind caught him on the TT bike and he hit a wall at like 65k an hour and he fucked himself up pretty bad uh, he broke a leg I think he punctured a lung or collapsed a lung wrecked his arm and done a bunch of other stuff but it was a real real bad crash and uh, I like from uh, I like from I suppose even more now uh, I, I don't know where I heard this but like I like to see people doing well as I'm sure you like to see people doing well but what I like even more than people doing well is when someone completely fucks their life up goes off track has massive injury or massive personal problems and then comes back and does well that's really cool to see and that's one of what i'm hoping for chris film i wouldn't have been his biggest fan pre-crash but now i'm kind of rooting for him uh chris film saying the only goal i've set myself personally is to get back to the tour de france next year that's what driving me week by week i can set myself little goals in terms of allowing myself more movement but for me the underlying goal is to start the Tour de France next year in 2020 and be at a similar better position to this year that's what's driving me at the moment it's pretty cool pretty cool motivation uh what I'm sipping away on tea there if you're listening uh what I thought was cool was Froome was talking about basically how it was doom and gloom you know he could he needed to help breathing uh you know legs in bits lungs are in bits and then he just got this one glimmer of hope the surgeon said to him you know it's going to be possible for you to make a 100 percent recovery and he said everything after that was noise everything after that became oh it's possible to make a 100 percent recovery so nothing else matters and he's gone laser focused on that target of making a 100 percent recovery i think he's doing something like five hours of physio a day but it just shows you the power of you know words and the position of responsibility that surgeons and physicians and stuff are in just that singular sentence it is possible for you to make a 100 percent recovery is going to be the driving force for him for the next 12 months and now he's a man with a chip on his shoulder like watching Aiken bernal win the tour from his hospital bed i'm sure he's delighted for the lad but i'm sure he's also thinking i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna show him his boss so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing how that one unfolds uh we had tour of poland on today also uh I didn't watch Tour of Poland because there's only so much cycling you can watch. And yeah, you get a bit, I don't want to say you get cycling, pro cycling out after the tour, but it's definitely, it's a pretty full on period of watching cycling during the tour. So I'm never as full on uh, after the tour and especially Vuelta's coming up as well soon. I did watch San Sebastian today. I, uh, I won't lie, I just checked the results in Tour of Poland. Ankerman won it with Gaviria second and Jakobsen was third. Cavendish crashed as well. I think Cav put out a cool tweet series where he was talking about his disappointment about missing the sort of France and how he took a bit of time off the bike to refocus. Then went on holidays with the misses, done a bit of training with Bernie Oisel, and now he's motivated for a Tour of Poland, which he hasn't ridden before, but hit the deck today. So hopefully he's all right there. Uh, San Sebastian, what an interesting race it was. We had a 19-year-old winner of San Sebastian, the World Junior Time Trial Champion, Remco Evan Paul of quick step phenomenal i think i heard in commentary uh was it declan quigley and magnus backstead i love hearing declan quigley on on the tv uh even though you do get bit conditioned to the carl and kirby 
sort of Sean Kelly vibe, but uh, yeah, I think it's like 1909 since the last teenager who won a classic. Like, that's insane. Like, this dude is going to explode. Like, Greg Van Avermaet was second, and Mark Hershey from Sunweb was third. So, it was absolutely phenomenal ride from the young lad, Evan Ball. And I have to say, I didn't know who he was going into the race. Uh, like, he went on the attack on in between the two. He got dropped on the second last climb. And then, he went into the attack on the attack in between the two climbs. And like looking at him after he he's a kid like he is a kid he still has you know the wee bits of puppy fat the kids have he hasn't got that like he's still laying out like but he's not as chiseled as those world tour guys that we're used to seeing that have just you know 100 race days in a year like he's he's not that guy yet uh so yeah after the race he said uh i really didn't feel good today for most of the race i was dropped from the bunch on the penultimate climb and uh, I did not go so early. I knew the power I could take. I could take. I knew the power I could take to climb, and this is incredible. I really cannot believe this. It's unbelievable. Uh, to be honest, it's a, it was a dream to once win this race uh, in my career, and now I've done it already. It's incredible. I really didn't expect this. It's incredible. It's incredible. That's the message I got from that. Uh, he seems like a really nice kid. Uh, it's the first I've heard of him. Like I knew when they were saying he was world time trial champion. Uh, at junior level once he hits the flat they were never going to bring him back and the group behind was just disorganized there was there wasn't a lot of crack out of them uh they you know it was valverde and a uh what did we got we had valverde we had hershey the sunweb dude we'd greg van avermaert uh we the skinny climber from uh ef education whose name eludes me won a stage in the giro uh, he used to ride with Rafa, forgot his name. Anyway, we had a bunch of dudes uh, in the back that were good riders. 35 seconds with like 7k to go. But then they started looking and thinking about second. And with the horsepower he has on the flat, even as a 19-year-old, he was uncatchable. But it just kind of got me thinking about, you know, Egan Bernal winning the Tour de France. Now we have Remco Evenpoel winning the winning San Sebastian. We really are starting to see a change in the guards. Evan Paul was born in 2000, the year 2000. Alejandro Valverde started his pro career in 2002. So how crazy is that? Valverde has been an amazing servant to the sport, but we definitely are starting to see that shift towards the younger generation. And it's amazing to see this dude looks amazing and hopefully this the pressure of this win doesn't get to him too much because we have seen in the past that a big win early uh, in a career it, it's often an expectation that's difficult to live up to and even Sagan like Sagan's gone through a, a lean patch by Sagan standards like he didn't win a classic this year I know he obviously retained the green jersey again he's an institution in the Tour de France and that but it's difficult and then you start getting the paycheck is it as easy to get out training you know you're still going through the normal life shit they're still like people don't see that they don't see the separation between an athlete and person they think an athlete it's all they see is on the bike but you don't see it at Sagan you know going through divorces breaking up with someone he's been with for his entire life that he's like after he gets kicked out of Tour de France he's a difficult time personally you know he's away partying and stuff and yeah it's just it's the bits we don't see that goes into the performance which you know often defines the athlete uh with Eddie Dunbar right there now you see him now you don't where was he road class 
into the final. I think it was Castroveo. Like some of the tour boys that rode this, like Alaphilippe abandoned, Bernal abandoned, kind of expected. But some of the boys got to the finish. Valverde well, was tenth. Like that's unreal. He's just finished the tour. I'm probably done a bunch of post tour crits. Uh, I'm sure his missus is absolutely dying to get him home. That he's been away. I hear Valverde is a legend. Uh, I trained with a lad who was teammates with Valverde for a while, and he said Valverde's just the nicest dude. Has a beer every day after training. Real family man. Best teammate ever. So I know he's had his doping problems, and he's a divisive character but there you go the man is a legend i've heard uh what do we think about this lance armstrong podcast apparently i actually i'm loving the boom arm on this thing because i can just kind of do you can't see this on a podcast but you can see it on the youtube channel do, 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 do. Yeah, you can just kind of swing it around if you need to check something out uh before like i'd finish recording a podcast and my back would be in tatters because I'd have to bend down to keep close. These mics are cool, but you got to stay close to them for the whole thing. I'd have to bend down and keep real close to it. But yeah, Armstrong. Uh, Armstrong's Tour de France podcast, The Move. If you didn't check it out, it's definitely worth checking out. Armstrong raked in over a million, a Bloomberg report has given us for his Tour de France. Uh, that's coming f- mainly from advertising. Uh, he was shilling Patreon pretty hard. Yeah, he's kind of rubbing our rope man of the day with his patron of the day, Lark. Uh, yeah, he was shilling patron pretty hard. Or he was, was it patron? Yes, yeah, patron. I think it's a tequila. Pretty hard. And then also homebrew coffee, his mad power dot thing, a feed zone, and he was shilling something else as well. I can't remember what it was. But he sells a bunch of caps and T-shirts and phone cases and sunglasses and stuff like that as well. And he also has a, a premium offering where you get extra content. The podcast was really good. Uh, inside scoop that's very, very hard to get. But fuck me, was it littered with ads. Absolutely littered. Uh, from top to tail, it was hard to go five minutes without them. I, I think I love it. I'm not sure if it's back for the Vuelta. But he needs to find a happy medium with that. Like, Does he need to make a million out of his three-week podcast? Like, you know, Lance, dial that back to... 700,000 and let's get 10% less ads I think it'd be a lot more enjoyable for all of us uh, do I resent Armstrong making that cash no absolutely not uh, yeah it's he's definitely still benefiting from his doping no doubt and I can see why some people uh, are pissed but that whole era just kind of has a exclamation mark beside it and like there's a footnote goes with that whole era like, I don't know, can we just leave them seven Tour de France's blank? It, it, I think it's a bit disingenuous to do that. Like, what do we do? Go down the GC and award the win to number 28. It, it's a it's an impossible academic debate as to at what point the cheating stopped. Like, we just don't have enough knowledge on what point the cheating stopped. Uh, so, I, yeah, I just don't know who you credit those Tour. I think they're blank still at the moment yeah for me they're the armstrong era armstrong won the tours uh he'd done a better job than cheating like as you'll see i have a one of the armstrong books there of an emma o'reilly one i actually haven't read it but uh yeah there was obviously some victims emma o'reilly big time in that whole armstrong thing and you know i don't like him i think he's an unsavory character even in the move podcast i listen to it because uh it's a cool podcast some unbelievable insights would i want to be mates with armstrong would i want to go for a beer with him Nah, absolutely not. He just comes across like a bit of a dick. Comes across like a bit of a bully. And yeah, it's no real it's no real surprise that he treated people the way he did. Uh, and I can imagine with success 
amplified his sort of dickhead tendencies but there you go i wish him all the success in what he's doing and i will keep listening because i do enjoy his insights and sure it takes all sorts uh i got a good bit of reaction on twitter to a true out of so i've been mucking around with daily routines for a while i suppose it's all part of something you're going to see a lot more of as this podcast develops i think when i started a1 coaching back 2012 we were definitely at the forefront of coaching and systemizing stuff and you know a standardized coaching experience across coaches and stuff like that and i think a bunch of people have caught up and that's great there's some guys have made started to make a few quid out of coaching and brilliant a lot of pros and stuff uh making a little sideline income from coaching but i think what we're trying to do now is we're trying to start and spearhead the evolution of coaching because what i'm seeing from you know the thousands of athletes we've coached since 2012 it's just it's a common trait people being time crunched people being low energy people being stressed people struggling to balance training with other aspects of life you know excelling in work relationships having pursuits outside the bike so i've been digging into mainly motivated by myself as i said on this i end up you know using myself as creating something first and foremost that i want and then thinking oh is there a need for that and some of the stuff i'll create and go yeah no no one wants to see that shit but on this one i think last year when i was getting super busy with work and trying to balance the cafe the media company a1 coaching doing a bit of training having relationships with family girlfriend all this stuff it just became way too much and i completely burnt out and since then i took a step back and i'm going to cover all this stuff in more detail in the next few months because it's kind of part of a series we're going to have coming up in the winter uh I took a step back from it all and one of the big things i realized is that coaching can't be so narrow coaching has to be more holistic i hate that word but it's very hippity dippity but i can't think of a, a better word for it it needs to be more all-encompassing we need to look at different areas because it's it's about performance it's not about a prescription it's about an output at the end like we've focused on the input all the time what training are we giving a person now we need to focus on output the performance and so much more goes into that than just the training prescription and one of the areas that i've been looking at and experimenting with daily routine and daily routine is really powerful and it's the idea being that you just get up in the morning and you execute a set number of tasks it doesn't have to be complicated your daily routine you can muck about with and make it as long or short difficult or trivial as you want but the idea is that you create momentum with a daily routine. The idea is that you create a positive overcoming a difficult task first thing in the morning. And then when you encounter difficult tasks later in the day, you steamroll them. So I've mucked around with my routine a lot. And you know I'll definitely be blogging and doing full podcasts on exactly why I've included each of these things. Because there's kind of different reasons why i've included them all but the moment my daily routine it's taken me about 30 minutes and for me it's getting up in the morning and the temptation for a lot of people when you get up in the morning is coffee straight away and i just say to you resist that urge to get coffee straight away you know our body's predominantly water and when we get up in the morning there's certain things we it's craving and water is the thing it's craving most so i'm getting up in the morning and again i'll get into exactly why i'm including sort of these uh this precise routine at a later day because there's a lot of there's a lot going into why i'm on this at the moment and it may you know it's a it's a fluid beast it may 
change as as we go on but at the moment i'm calling you know wake up cocktail and that's water about half a small spoon of salt and small spoon i still say small spoon because when i was a kid i used to get confused between a tablespoon and a teaspoon and i still if i'm completely honest i still get a bit confused between a tablespoon and a teaspoon so i just say small spoon so i don't sound like a complete tool on social occasions so i guess we're talking about a teaspoon here a small spoon so about half one of those is salt himalayan salt celtic salt table salt lesser choice go with himalayan or celtic salt half a tablespoon of that quarter of a lemon squeezed into some ice water point of ice water down that shit that's number one your total time is up to 35 seconds so far then you want to get meditating uh, just finished writing a blog on this at the moment the link between body and mind uh, i've a group better uh, beta biohack cyclist group uh, that i have going and yeah the guys the guy pull up this group it's in my whatsapp so give me a second and bear with me here the guys are baiting out some results so far we're five weeks in it's gonna it's cool watching them uh, it's cool checking out uh what some of the guys are up to in uh the results they're having so far okay yeah so we're four weeks in one of the dudes 4.5 kilograms down one they got they're all from all over the world so sorry about the different metrics one goes eight pounds down and the other guy is one kilo a week down so just i'm not gonna scroll back too far because it's obviously not great you fucking radio listen to me reading text messages uh but it's been amazing and it this is a bunch of different tactics and techniques that i've spent the last 18 months researching pretty tirelessly traveling the world to figure out chatting to some gurus attending seminars and i've put together this thing that i'm testing on the guys at the moment uh one small part of it is daily routines and it's when it's when we're putting together all this shit it starts getting powerful but the daily routine the meditation in the morning is cool because the idea with the meditation is it's working on that link between body and mind and you know training is stressing us creating cortisol diet is stressing us creating cortisol blood sugar fluctuates are creating cortisol poor sleep is creating cortisol a bunch of other shit and when cortisol comes to a tipping point we get adrenal fatigue and when we get adrenal fatigue it's tough to come back from the edge that's what we typically call riders are burnt out and walk away from the sport and we're balancing a lot of shit adrenal fatigue is possible so what meditating does meditating has been shown you know study after study studies you know of the highest efficacy has been shown to reduce cortisol levels so i'm talking the guys through how to do that there in this week's uh, beta group what i'll add in like 10 minutes of meditation in the morning and what i will do the meditation in front of is red light photobiomodulation it's called uh, so i'll do my meditation in front of that a cool way if you're not into so the idea with meditation like on a basic level you're just trying to focus on the present on the now so you're trying to forget shit that happened in the past not worry about stuff that's going to happen in the future and just focus on now but you can do guided meditation to get started that's how i got started an app called headspace that's pretty cool i think it's about like a tenner a month but it's pretty cool check that one out uh, and i do it as i say in front of a red light uh which i'll get into in another podcast because photo biomodulation if anyone wants to check it out but that shit's pure fire uh and then i'll grab a cold shower after for that cold thermogenesis and then i'm just gonna chill for like 10 minutes and i journal do like a gratitude journal and 
just sort of anything that's on my mind just kind of unload it there while i'm having my coffee so you know it's five things there it's the water cocktail it's meditation cold shower light and journal it takes me about a half an hour max a half an hour but it sets you and it creates that positive momentum for the day like i was saying so big big fan of it uh it was definitely polarizing on twitter uh one of the guys on twitter uh, the best reply was uh he came out and he said yeah i tried red light once hope my wife doesn't find out about it <laughs> obviously in reference to a red light over in amsterdam but there you go um this is the big thing i want to talk about today uh the group ride because the group ride is fucked uh pains me to say this it really does pain me to say this so i want to kind of recount what the group ride used to be or what the group ride was for me when i got started i remember i bought my bike i actually i, f- I falsified a loan application there you go i hope aib aren't listening but there you go short the banks uh i falsified a loan application told them i needed a car for college or some shit and bought my first bike uh and yeah i can't remember I, I had a garda do you remember them garda confidential helmets i had a friend who was a police officer and i had a garda helmet still the number and shit down the side of it uh and i pieced together some kit secondhand off friends and stuff couldn't be more excited i'd never used these clip-in pedals before couldn't be more excited i wasn't that young because i got started when i was in college so it's probably like first year undergrad uh went up to my local club which was swords first time i'd used the clip in pedals rode an hour or so up to swords to meet the lads i'd literally only watched cycle on tv so i assumed this was a full-on race i was ready to light shit up uh got there the lads are across the road i pull in beside the lads boom down i go smash obviously everyone's had that crash but i had in a pretty you know high profile for me at the time the embarrassment was shocking one of the lads just came up to me and he's like don't worry lad it gets easier from here practice clipping on the grass practice clipping and unclipping on the grass when you get home and that was the first lesson i got so i'd end up riding with these lads for years like i used to meet them every thursday morning saturdays and sundays before i started racing and every time i rode with them it was like going to college i'd learned something new but also every time i was with the lads i felt like i did like a bit of a deeper connection to them it was like my community it was the new place it was my new place it was like you know it was like going to college where i was getting a bond with the guys as well as learning so like as i went like weeks passed months passed i slowly started just picking stuff up off the guys it wasn't like they just piled everything on me like day one you know there's 50 bullet points of shit you need to do they told me one thing that day probably just to clip in on the grass and practice it and but as the weeks went i started to see there was like a ride captain and he was the guy that everyone listened to he sort of set the tone for the day but he was especially good at giving me encouragement and stuff it wasn't like i was an especially talented kid so it wasn't like they singled me out as you know here's he's one to watch uh but he just showed me things like you know he showed me how to point out a hole uh he showed me how to corner without touching my pedal down he taught me kind of the language of the bunch he taught me the difference between car up and car down which i still amazes me how people get that shit wrong uh you know as as i got a bit better and as i started learning these kind of concepts he i started to learn you know not just off him but i started to learn 
more advanced concepts like a rotating pace line i started to learn how to read which way the wind was coming from i learned how to eat when i was in the red i learned how to stand up on the bike without pushing the bike backwards but the thing was you can read this you know you can go and read this in sticky bottle or fucking gcn or whatever but it's different to being shown it it's different you know you can tell somebody all day how to eat while in the red how to corner but going out and showing it to them it's like there's another layer to understanding and it's the only way to teach somebody you know you, you can't convey this in a podcast you need to get out on the road and show this to somebody so i actually felt like this was it was like my apprenticeship i had buddies who were electricians and you know plumbers or whatever at the time and they talked every day about the stuff they were learning and every time i went out i felt like i was the exact same i felt like it was my apprenticeship so i viewed myself as like a student in the sport but then what started happening was cool i wasn't the new guy anymore i wasn't the most senior guy by any means but i wasn't the new guy a newer guy came so i transitioned and my role in the group changed from complete newbie to lesser of a newbie and now given a little bit of advice so i like progress through the group and but this is funny because progression like now what i see is the ride captain or the guy who has the social status or standing in a group he's the strongest guy this wasn't a group that was like progression wasn't gauged by strength or power or what it was gauged by years membership and skill level and that's what we're missing now like so i was now learning from these guys but i was also teaching and i suppose that's where that's nearly when i learned the most because try and explain a concept to somebody and that's when you truly understand if you actually know what you're talking about because you can listen all day but when you try and explain it to someone you know some of the things in this podcast that i thought i've known well and when i go to talk to you guys about them i'm like shit i definitely do not know that as well as i thought so like i got out on a group ride i'm not going to say the club uh about a month ago and i wore black kit and i sat in the back of the group ride and i'd heard a lot of people talking about the group ride is fucked the group ride it's it's changing it's different but it actually was it was what everybody said like the faster stronger lads they wanted to show how strong they were so they just shredded the group and there was no group leader or group cat right captain the group captain was the fastest guy it was like cycling darwinism it was a survival of the fittest shit going on so the pressure from the faster guys it just fragmented fragmented the group sometimes it reformed traffic lights and sometimes it wouldn't uh some of the younger kids like you know you get dropped on your first group but if i'd have got dropped that first day out with swords uh i would probably never come back i probably would have been like fuck this sport i'm going back playing football uh so it it matters it really matters those early experiences are very formative but like other stuff i seen was i seen riders with mechanicals and they were just left to fend for themselves like they have tools with them i don't know like no one knows if they had tools with them like there was definitely no established group leader that i could see only just strongest dude there like etiquette wasn't being taught etiquette wasn't being observed it like the group ride it's the lifeblood of our sport it's it's more than just about watts it's more than just about heart rate it's more than about strava segments all our great champions in the sport they were once 
the absolute shittest newbies you can imagine there's a tradition in the sport and the tradition has been that that which i talked about the you know apprenticeship and the apprentice becoming the master who then teaches other people the apprenticeship and this danger is this tradition it's really in danger of starting to disappear and i really think we need to take action on it i've no idea what this action looks like but i'm would love this to be a little bit of a call to arm and say you know we can do better we can do better as a sport because it it's better we're better than the strongest guys in a group slaughtering it and riding with like a small subsection of our friends every weekend and i'll be the first to acknowledge that coaching and coaches that every weekend have a prescription to ride at you know whatever your my zone endurance zones 250 and so i go out and i need to ride a 250 so i can't ride in the wheel i have to ride on the front there's a day for structure there's a they're different skills there's a day for looking at your power meter there's a day for learning the craft they're both important they're not marriable so some days we're going to need to ride solo to work on our physiology some days we're going to need to ride with a group one because it's tradition and somebody took the time and effort to teach me how to ride in a group and for me to be arrogant enough now to think i don't need to pass that on is a horrible trait and two if we don't ride in a group we just don't develop those skills that we need you know cornering in a group is very different to cornering out on your own so yeah i would encourage everyone to start thinking about your group ride thinking about ways you can help out volunteering to be ride captain and yeah just generally comment and and below and let me know what you think so sorry if that was a bit of a rant i think this podcast has gone on slightly longer than it actually hasn't we're up to 35 minutes we're not doing too bad uh so yeah it's been an enjoyable one uh like what we're we're still finding our, our rhythm with this podcast i think what i'm trying to get to or the goal next week will be just to get it on uh regular slot so i'm gonna shoot for mondays and fridays from now on getting the podcast to you guys this week it's a bank holiday monday so i'm gonna drop it on tuesday so i'm gonna go tuesday and friday and then we'll go to monday and friday the week after and we'll try it out for a couple of weeks and we'll see how it's going so the same as our last episode we don't have a show sponsor if anyone out there does want to be a show sponsor ping me an email info at a1coaching.net but until that point and i definitely won't be shilling a show sponsor that's not something i believe in are compatible with the values of the company but until that point i would encourage you to go and check out a1 coaching uh last day i said we were trying to hatch some sort of thing to keep basically keep me motivated for the end of the season i see a lot of lads slipping motivation at this time of year so i'm going to try and hatch some sort of eight week contest or challenge working on it at the moment i will hopefully have details of something in the pipeline most likely won't be released this week but i'll hopefully have details of something in the pipeline on tuesday but until then what i really would appreciate the podcast is uh in its infancy it's a good bit of work to get it out there and uh, there's you know no payoff for me at the moment doing this uh, it's just for the love of the sport and for giving you guys a bit of company and trying to be as i said last day a little small piece of your narrative but how you can pay me back a lot of people podcasters do the you know would you buy me a point if you'd buy me a point donate to my patreon i'm not asking for you to do that at this point what i am asking for you to do is if you like it tell a mate about it share it in a whatsapp group 
post it in your club thread like the podcast subscribe to the podcast just do your little bit to encourage it and help us grow the podcast and that's all i'm asking you and you know why is everywhere so you know i do appreciate the people that are sharing it around and the people who are liking it and stuff like that because it really does help lads this has been the a1 show podcast we've ushered in a new era in cycling with Egan Bernal winning the tour and now Rimko Evan Paul winning San Sebastian. Good night and God bless. And I'll catch you all on Tuesday.